Luke chapter 13. Praise God. Luke chapter 13. Verse number one. It says, There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that the Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And then turn with me to uh, Luke uh, chapter number 14. I'm sorry, chapter number 13, chapter number 13, Luke, verse number 24. Strive to enter in at the straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut to the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. Then shall you begin to say, we have eaten and drunken, drunk in thy presence, and Thou hast taught in our streets, but he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence you are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you shall see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west, from the north to the south, sit down in the kingdom of God, and behold, these, there are the last which shall be first, and there are first which shall be last. And then just flipping over to verse chapter number 14. Uh, verse number 16, it says, he said unto them, a certain man made a great supper, bade many. He sent his servant at supper time to say that they were bid and come for all things are now ready. Um, verse 18, and they all with one consent began to make excuse. First said to him, I bought a piece of ground. I need to go and see it. Pray thee I be excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. Want to prove them. Excuse me. Another said, I've married a wife. Cannot come. Servant showed the Lord these things. The master was angry. Go quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. Hither the, bring the poor, maimed, halt, blind. The servant says it's done. Yet there's room. The Lord said, go in the highways, hedges. Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of them which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children, brethren, sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot, somebody say cannot, be my disciple. Verse 27, and whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Cannot, cannot be my disciple. Amen. If you could do this, just put your Bibles down and let's lift our hands to the Lord right now. Can we ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, just speak. Speak, Lord. I need to be transformed. I need to know your will. I want to walk with you. I want to be pleasing to you in every way. I thank you for all that you have done all that you've given us. And so, Lord, we, 
We want to align ourselves with your purpose, and we need the word of God. We need you. We need your voice to be heard. Speak, Lord. Confirm your word with signs following. Holy Spirit, you do the work. I am nothing. You do everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. So um, if you go through and read the, the, the teachings of Jesus, he, he lays out um, so much stuff that's very hard. <laughs> it's very hard to say the least. And uh, I've heard somebody say it like, man, I wish, I wish Jesus was, was our pastor. And, um, and, and I know what that means, right? But, man, the things Jesus said, right, the people who were with him, they didn't like it. They didn't like it. Even to the point his own disciples who were with him, they were like, we don't understand this stuff. This is, this is hard. We can't, we can't get with this. Um, and it's in the book of John uh, where Jesus asked them, he says, well, are you going to go away? And they said, well, Jesus, you're the one that has the words of eternal life. Where can we go? We don't have any other option. We're just going to have to submit to this. We're just going to have to deal with it. And so you and I, um, we live in 2023. Um, and so that's about 2,000, well, not quite 2,000 years, about 1,997, 93 years since Jesus died on the cross and resurrected. So we are far removed from the time of Jesus Christ. Um, and then on top of that, the creation of the world was probably about a good 4,000 years before that. So we are extremely far removed from what God originally created the world to be and for humans to be. And so um, I say this in the book of Genesis, people live to be 900 800 years old, you and I, if you live to be 90, you've lived a long life. Um, so really calculating that, we're about 10% of what they were. So you and I are about 10% of what we were. And if you and I ever think we can understand life with our own mind, we are deceived. We are deceived. We are living in a world that was created for, for us to be sons of God and to operate in the image of God and have dominion and authority on the earth. Sin has taken us so far from that image that literally we are unrecognizable. We are unrecognizable. This is why Jesus said it in John chapter 3. He says, you've got to be born again because what you were born into was nothing like what he originally created us for. And until we recognize that, we'll never truly repent. We'll just think, you know what, I just need to add God to my life. I just need to do a little bit better. That's not what Jesus came preaching. Jesus came preaching, you've got to die to your way of thinking. Jesus came preaching, you've got to completely let go of everything you've ever known and thought was right, and turn away from it. Jesus said things like, you've got to let go of your mother, your father, 
That represents the things that were taught to you, the traditions, the way you were brought up, what was done to you, those things that you feel like, man, this is good. All of that, what's good, what's right, what's, what's wrong, all of those teachings that you learned from humanity, Jesus is saying you've got to be willing to let it go to follow me. You've got to be willing to let it go to follow me because we've got to, I believe this, sometimes people can come to Jesus Christ with the idea of he's just going to make my life better. And can I tell you, Jesus has not come to make your life better. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news today. He has not come to make your life better. He has come to make you new. He has come to make all things new. Because the old, the, we got a baby on the loose. Somebody want to grab that baby? Ah, praise God. <laughs> Amen. Jesus loves the little children. <laughs> Amen. And so he's come to make all things new. And so this, you, if you read the scriptures and you read the teachings of Jesus, you will see that at every turn, he was coming, he was trying to um, get people to let go of preconceived ideas. He was trying to get them things that they were established, even religious things. And that's why it was so hard for the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because they felt like, well, we know God. We've got, we've, we've added God to our life. And so we're we're living our lives, but we know the word of God. We know the things of God. We know, we know how God is. And Jesus is coming and telling them, you've got to let go of your life. And in their idea, they were like, we're okay because, yeah, we, we still got our life, but we've added God to it. We've added his word to it. And Jesus is like, that's not enough. That's why in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, a teacher, a ruler, one who knew the law, knew the word backwards and forwards better than any of us. Better than any of us. He comes to Jesus at night and Jesus' word to him was, you've got to be born again. And he's like, what do you mean? How can I? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You've, 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 you don't realize I'm, I'm not just come to, to add to stuff and, and to, to make things better. I've come to create a whole new man, to make you a, a completely new creature in me one that you've never, you've never known before. And so uh, Jesus uses this word, and John the Baptist preached this word of repentance. Repent. And it's literally a change of mind. Changing your mind. Changing the way you think. You've got to repent. True repentance. True repentance. You first have to recognize what you have to turn from, right? Um, true repentance is not, God, I need, I need you to make things better for me. God, I need you to help me where I am. True repentance is, God, I am messed up, and I need you to make me new. I need you to transform me. Don't, I don't need you to fix my situation. I need you to fix me. I don't need you to change what's going on with this one and how they're treating me. I need you to change me. 
I need to be transformed. I need to be transformed. And so true repentance, and this is what Jesus is saying. He says things like, unless a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit, much fruit. Christianity, true Christianity, is about dying. It's about dying. It's death. We preach the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I've determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. We preach the cross of Jesus Christ that our God, our Savior, salvation came when he died. Victory in this world, in this life, came when he died. And then he says things like this, follow me. (laughs) He didn't say sing to me. He said follow me. He didn't say clap to me. He said follow me. He didn't just say sit and hear about me or talk about me. He said follow me. Follow me. And so to follow him means to do what he did, to live how he lived. And he lived his life with the intention to die. He knew in his mind his whole, everything was bringing him to a place of the cross, bringing him to a place of complete surrender to the will of the Father and so that he could give up his life. And bear our sins. And that's where victory came. That's where victory came. And so this message, uh, and so just bear with me one second. What Satan has tried to do from the beginning when the church first started in Acts chapter 2, the church started. Actually, just go there really quickly. Acts chapter Acts chapter 4. Verse number 2. Well, verse 1, it says, the, the captain of the temple, Sadducees, came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached to Jesus the resurrection of the dead, from the dead. And they laid hands on them. So Satan reveals to us that he was grieved that they were preaching the resurrection of the dead in Jesus Christ. That's what grieved him. Because that's the power that overcame him. The resurrection of Jesus Christ overcame the power of Satan. It undid his rule on the earth. That's what broke it, that power, that resurrection power. And so that spirit is now working through these temple people and saying, we've got to stop this. Because now, not just Jesus is overcoming us, this message is spreading to other people, and they're getting a hold of this resurrection power, and now they're overcoming the devil. And every person who receives this is getting power over the devil and victory over him. And now, instead of just one, there's 12, there's 120. There's 3,120. And then here it talks about 5,000 are added. 
And so it's getting out of hand for Satan. It's getting out of hand for the devil. And can I tell you, if Satan was anywhere in the world at any time, he was right where this stuff was happening. He was on site because this is where the major attack against his kingdom is happening. And so what's revealed here is, is we can see into his mindset of what he was against. He was grieved that they were preaching the resurrection of the dead through Jesus Christ. That's what grieved him. He wasn't grieved that somebody got healed. You see that? Acts chapter 3, a lame man got healed. He was lame since the time he was born, and he jumps up, goes in the temple, and he's leaping and dancing, and he's praising God. That did not grieve the devil. That somebody got a touch from Jesus and was shouting about it. That didn't put him on the run. He didn't say, I'm grieved because these people are praising God. <laughs> so, I, I, please, I'm not trying to mess up nobody's Sunday shout. I'm not trying to mess up your doctrine. I'm not trying to poo-poo anything. But I'm trying to tell you praise is not what scares the devil. Because Jesus said it himself, even the rocks can praise me. Praise doesn't get him moving. He was grieved that they preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Mm. We're going to bring this to a close real quick. And so they go on through all this and they explain that it's Jesus. And it says this, verse number, 15, verse number 14. This is the confession. Beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against that. But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. They said, We've got to stop them from preaching this message of resurrection from the dead in Jesus' name. We don't have to stop them from healing people. We've got to stop them from preaching the resurrection of the dead in Jesus. Because if they preach that, it's going to spread. Not just, not just people hearing about it, people getting a touch. That doesn't scare the devil. What scares him is somebody getting a revelation that the resurrection from the dead is in Jesus Christ. That if I die in Christ, I actually get the power of the resurrection in me. And I have authority over the devil who the Bible says he had the power of death. That's what Hebrews said. It says that the devil had the power of death. And so the enemy, the voice of Antichrist is saying, just don't preach that. Let them have a good time. Let them get a touch. Let them shout and dance and do that. Just don't let them ever die in Jesus. Because if they ever realize the secret of this thing, that the true power was released and the power of Satan was broken when Jesus died. We're going to have a whole bunch of Jesuses walking around transforming the world 
But if they just stay wanting a touch, wanting to feel better in themselves, wanting God to do good things, and God will do good things because God is good. God is awesome. He's a healer. He does it. That's just who he is. He's good. But if they just, we just keep them satisfied with that and they never die, we don't got to worry about nothing. It won't spread. What will spread is this false Christianity, this powerless gospel. What will spread is it'll have a lot of people and not a lot of transformation. What will spread is that their buildings will be full, but the streets will still be rampant with sin. What, what, what will spread was that they'll come to church on Sunday, but I got them Saturday night and I got them Monday night. And, and what will spread is they'll come and they'll just be con constantly convicted of, of knowing and reading the scriptures, but never able to live what it says and bring in condemnation on themselves, that there's a gap between what I am and what I see and what I hear in the word of God. And, and they'll just push away from it, feeling like I'll never get there. And so that's what will spread is a Christianity that says there's just a certain few that are holy and the rest of us are just trying to make it on, make it and wait till the rapture. What will spread is there's a, a Christianity that says there's a there's these people that actually do the work of God and the rest of us are just the laity. That's what will spread. As long as they just don't preach. Don't preach the resurrection of Jesus. Can I take you to another scripture? That's okay. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Revelation. Y'all probably know where I'm going. Revelation chapter 12. I love the song. No, no sorry, sorry, forgive me. I like the song. Um, I love Jesus. <laughs> I like everything else. There's a song. It says, overcomer. Y'all know that song? Overcomer. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony. It's false doctrine. Listen to me. It's false doctrine if we stop there. You do not overcome him by the blood of the lamb and your word of your testimony. You don't. The scripture says we overcome him by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. You see what Satan does? <laughs> blood of the lamb, Jesus died for you. Speak it, claim it, but just don't ever die to yourself. Just don't ever let go of that flesh because from the beginning, God cursed the serpent that he would eat of the eat of the dust of the ground all the days of his life. Your flesh is dust. He has been given the authority to eat of that all day long. So if you are in the flesh, you are being eaten of the devil all day long. And he knows it. So he says, have a touch from God. Shout, do it all. Just hold on to the dust. Hold on to your flesh. Don't ever die. Don't ever let go. Don't ever submit to the will of God. Don't ever take up your cross and follow Jesus. Because the moment you do that, 
You have authority over the devil. You have power over him. You overcome him. See, and so we've got to understand what God brings into your life. He brings Roman soldiers into your life. He puts Judases into your life. And we're like, God, I got a Judas. Get Judas out of here. Remove Judas. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, Judas. That's not what my Jesus did. <laughs> my Jesus took Judas and brought him in close, washed his feet, and called him friend. Said, you're going to bring me to exactly what I need to have victory. He wasn't fearful of how people treated him or thought about him or how they hated him. He knew it was bringing him to the place of death, and he wasn't afraid of it. That's following Jesus. That's the Jesus we've been called to follow. The Jesus we've been called to follow said, love your enemies. So if you're talking about what people are doing about you, what people have done, and man, I can't stand them, and they're this, you're not following Jesus. You're following another Jesus. <laughs> if, if you've got enemies <laughs> and you don't love them, that's not the Jesus I know. Somebody says, well, how can I love them? They're, they're doing all these things to me. Yeah, they're trying to crucify you, aren't they? See, right? We've got to repent. We've got to change the way we see crucifixion. The way we see suffering has to change. The way we see pain, the way we see bad things, what we call bad and what we call good, guess what? It's got to change. We got to repent. Somebody say, well, did you have a good day or a bad day? Well, I had a bad day. Why'd you have a bad day? Because all this stuff happened to me, and this person was yelling at me, and my tire was flat. Somebody cut me off, and I don't have the money to pay my bills. And Okay. And somebody lied about me, and they mistreated me, and they did this and did that. And you said there's a bad day? How's that bad? In the flesh, yes, that's bad. But listen, the greatest day for the church was the day Jesus died, was the day he was killed. That's, that's what we shout about. Listen, the day I die, heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents, that dies out to themselves. So God is working things in my life to bring me to crucifixion. He's giving me crosses every day to take up so I can follow him and have victory over the enemy. <sighs> Praise God. See, this changes everything. This is why you read in the book of Acts, the disciples are beaten and they're thrown in the prison. And we're like, man, how is it that they were just, it says that at midnight, Paul and Silas they were praising God and singing songs in a prison at midnight. 
And I'm like, well, how are they doing that? Like, how is that possible? Like, did they just know, like, this is what we're supposed to do so we can get out of here? There's no example of that. It's seemingly like I think they counted it all joy when they fell into temptation. They actually, they, they said it in, in Acts chapter number five. They said they went home praising the Lord that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. The early church got excited over some stuff that we complain about. They shouted and had victory marches over stuff that we put on the prayer list. They sang songs about trials that we would lose our mind over. I don't believe it's because they were stronger than us. I believe they truly repented. They truly understood we've got to let go of this worldly mindset that is about me and my flesh living and being good. That my flesh being good equals God's favor. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. God, I am searching for a cross that this flesh can die on. And whoever that is, whatever that is, I'm going to greet you with a kiss. Hey, glory. Somebody walk up to you like, I hate you. Oh, my God, give me a hug. You make me sick. Jesus loves me. Come on, we're going to turn the world upside down. That's why the scripture says, be ready to give an answer to every man who asks you of the joy that's in you. People are supposed to see something different in us. You don't respond to the same things the same way that I do. Something is different in you. The difference is not that you come here to church. The difference is not that you have a church membership. The difference is that you have repented of the ways of the world and you are not living to live in the flesh. You are living to die. You are, you are rejoicing in the cross of Jesus Christ so that nevertheless I live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. I'm dead. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead today. So praying every morning, waking up, praying, God, help me to recognize what you have sent to crucify my flesh. Help me to recognize it and not fight against it. Help me to submit to it and love it and not flee from it. Because I want the resurrection power of Jesus. I want the resurrection power of Jesus. And so Pastor, Pastor Vona, he did, a, he did an amazing job. Listen, please go listen to that message from last week. 
of Pastor Vona's message about the altars, about altars. Um, but this thing, this gospel, it's about dying, dying to yourself, dying to your will. I heard a preacher say this, the greatest lie that has been promoted to man is self-centeredness, is we living for self. And so if you come to Jesus for yourself to be preserved, you're going to miss it. You're always going to be wondering, what is God doing in my life? You'll be living a life of confusion and not peace. Peace comes when you align yourself with God's will. That's why Paul says, I'm praying that you would understand what the will of the Lord is for you. Understand that. I'm praying for that. Um, and so I've got to die. So uh, sin, right? Really sin. The Bible talks about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It says, whoever loves the world doesn't have the love of the Father in you. Because all that's in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And that is not of the Father, but of the world. And so we're not to love that. We're not to love that stuff. Well, how can I not love it when my flesh likes it? Because I'm dying to my flesh. So your flesh doesn't have to stop wanting it. Your flesh is still going to want it because the flesh is an enemy against God. You're not called to make your flesh start wanting the things of God. That's not our battle, church. It's not, okay, I just going to try and start really wanting to do the things of God. No, your flesh is always going to be an enemy of God. It's not subject to God, neither indeed can be. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. That's literally what it means. So stop trying to conform and, and convert your flesh. We can't do it. You're not going to be around us enough for your flesh to be converted. You're never going to feel like it. Feel like living for God. Your flesh is not. So because the Bible has told us it's an enemy against God. So it tells us crucify it, mortify it, die to it. That means count it as nothing. Don't give it power. Recognize it. Okay, my flesh wants to engage in this activity that will make it feel good. I'm going to die to that. I am going to embrace not feeling good. Somebody says, well, that's kind of weird. <laughs> but if you embrace your flesh not feeling good, you are investing in the spirit man. So many of us, we've been taught all our life, do whatever makes you feel good. We've been taught that without being told that. Right? We get... Whatever job, right? Something just as simple as you go to the grocery store and parking at a grocery store, right? And I've seen people argue over parking spaces because I want to get the closest spot and want to get it before somebody else gets in there and we park in there. And we're like, Man, I got to, God just bless me with a close parking spot today. God is for me. I know I'm living right. I'm right next to the handicapped spot. Like, I know I'm living right. Why wouldn't we as the people of God give that spot to everybody else? Why wouldn't we as the people of God park in the worst spot? 
and say, you all take that. Man, I want to be in the quickest line, right? Just, just simple stuff. I'm just saying this, right? Like, shortest line. I'm like, okay, man, all right, I think this line's going shorter, than, quicker than that one. Like, oh, they're moving faster than me. Man, I should have gotten that line. Like, oh. It's just, it's what we've been taught. But we're self-centered. It's about me, me, me. And if I'm in a faster line, well, somebody's in a slower line. Well, I don't care about that. It's about me. Self. Jesus is saying we've got to repent of that. And it's so deeply ingrained, we don't recognize it. It's built into everything. Self. Self. And Jesus is saying you've got to die to that. And what he'll do is he'll, he'll, he'll bring it up and show it so you can die to it. But if we don't recognize that's what he's doing, we'll keep fighting against the will of God. And we'll wonder, why don't I have peace? Why am I struggling to walk with the Lord? Because he's trying to kill you. And you're trying to live. But just let the Lord have his way. Praise God. I've just been quoting a lot of scriptures. I haven't taken you there. But the scripture says this. It says, if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. If we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. Paul said this. He says, not that I've already attained. He says, that I may know him. I want to know him. The power of his resurrection. Anybody know what the other part of that is? In the fellowship of his sufferings. You cannot know the power of the resurrection until you die. So if we want resurrection power, which actually is what defeats the enemy, we're going to have to die. And so I, I pray you understand I'm not talking about physically killing yourself. Dying to self dying to self. It's not a popular message. Our flesh doesn't like it. I don't expect my flesh to clap about it. I don't. I don't, ex- I don't expect when I finish up today to feel good about what was preached. I expect to be like, could I really say that? Like, oh, I expect to feel bad. But guess what? I embrace that. I embrace it. I embrace it. I embrace it. Because I'm in a war. I'm warring against my flesh. And so I don't expect to, to feel, uh, I, I think I mentioned this to somebody, somebody, one of the things we, we fight against so much is awkwardness. Right? Come on. We don't ever want to feel awkward. Right? Anybody ever heard of awkward silence? Right? We just hate awkwardness. We'll do anything to just not make it awkward. Right? That's our flesh. But what if we were to repent of that and embrace awkwardness for the sake of Jesus? What if we were to embrace embarrassment for the sake of Jesus? Somebody says, don't you feel embarrassed saying that stuff to people and looking like a fool? Yeah, I do. But I embrace that. It feels horrible. (laughs) But that's what I've been called to. That's my cross. That's, 
It's okay. I'm free. I'm no longer bound by that stuff because that stuff is what keeps people bound in sin, bound to the opinions of others, bound to the dictates of the devil because he knows skin for skin, anybody, any man will do anything to save himself. That's what he said about Job. Last part, we're done. Stand with me. So your standing can help me be done. Job chapter, I believe it's Job chapter 3. And um, Jesus, I mean Jesus, I'm sorry. Satan is in the presence of God. And he has unleashed all this stuff in Job's life. Killed his children. Took his house. All his money. Every, everything you can think of that could happen to a person, it happened to Job. And God allowed it. God allowed it. And Satan comes to God after all of that. And his statement is so revealing. I probably should go there just because it's, it's powerful and I feel like the Lord's telling me to not skip over it. So help me out, Sister Kayla. Job chapter number um, chapter number two and um, verse number four. This is what look what Satan says here after he did, he took everything from him. Satan answered the Lord and said, "Skin for skin, yea, all that a man has will he give for his life." Verse five says, "Put forth your hand." Touch his bone and his flesh, and he'll curse you. That's what Satan understands that about humanity. At your core, you're going to live for yourself. At your core, you'll give up everything to preserve self. If it costs you pain in your flesh and your bone, Satan knows you'll you, you won't. You won't give it up for that. If it hurts you, if it's, right, that's, leave that up there, please. Kayla, please leave that up there. Leave that up there. All that a man has, he will give for his life. Go to the next verse. I'm sorry, verse 5. Right? He says, touch his bone and his flesh, and he'll curse you to your face. That is Satan's, that he is revealing what he knows about fallen man. That's you. That's me. At our core, you touch my bone and my flesh. <laughs> it's all over. That's, that's where all bets are off. And Jesus came and he says, I am flipping that whole thing on its head. And I am restoring you to what you were originally created for. And you are going to have power over that. I'm going to make you a new creature so that you no longer are subjected to that. That your bone and your flesh can be touched and you'll bless the Lord. You'll bless the Lord. A people full of a world full of people who being touched and things being done to and are yet giving God glory. Who are embracing 
the very weapon that Satan says will stop you. (laughs) And we're just saying, bring it on. Because we know when you touch us and kill this, there's going to be a resurrection power that's going to rise up in us. That's what I want to come forth. I don't want me. I don't want Ryan to come forth. I want the power of Jesus to come forth and some stuff in Ryan has to die. I've got to die to fornication. I've got to die to pride. I've got to die to awkwardness and embarrassment and my reputation and how people feel about me and wanting people to like me and wanting to enjoy what I do. I've got to die to my comforts. I've got to die to enjoyment and entertainment. I've got to die to the lust of the eyes and seeing things I want to see. I need to die to it so that the resurrection power of Jesus can flow out of me. Hallelujah. Come on, there is such power in this. There is such power in this. And this is the message that the enemy does not want to spread further. He doesn't want us to get a hold of this because he knows what happens. He loses his grip. He loses his grip on you. He loses it. When you're not afraid of pain, when you're not afraid of being uncomfortable, when you're not afraid of being embarrassed, when you're not afraid of denying yourself and telling yourself, no, Satan has nothing he can do. When you're willing to die for Jesus, you're saying, Jesus, if I die in this place, but I'm believing you, it doesn't matter if I never get what I think I want. God, if I go out believing you, I am okay. It is worth it all. I'm going to stand in this place of faith in you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, church. We've got to overcome the world. I've got to overcome the world, and it's not fighting against people. It's fighting against the world that's in me. I've got to repent. Lord, I want to think differently. I don't want to think the ways of the world. I don't want to process the world through selfish ambition. I lay down my way, my life, my wants, my needs, and I want the name of Jesus glorified. I'm going to prefer you over me. I'm going to prefer others over me. I am going to be low so you can be high. I will submit and you go higher. I will embrace the pain so you can be free. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's, let's, just, let's just really make this a, an altar. That's what happens at altars. Altars are places where a dead thing is placed on it. Hallelujah. And if you place a sacrifice on the altar like Elijah, the fire of God will fall. But I've got to die. I've got to die. I've got to die. Church, and so whoever this is for, let's respond whatever God's speaking to you. Whatever that thing is, whatever it is. Hallelujah, Lord, help me to die out to myself. Help me to die to my will, my ways. God, those pleasures of this world that I think are so gratifying. Lord, my flesh still enjoys it, 
but I no longer enjoy what my flesh enjoys. Come on, let's die today. These altars are open. These altars are open. You have a fresh opportunity to die today, to let go. That's the root of addiction, addiction to drugs, addiction to alcohol. It's because it makes you feel so good and it gets up in your cells and you're persuaded that this is, you've got to feel good and it's true, it's right, it's beyond you. It makes you feel good, you need it, you absolutely need it. If you don't get it, you'll feel like you're dying. Exactly, exactly, that's the power over addiction. Embrace the dying. Embrace the slow death. Embrace it. And allow the resurrection power of Jesus to rise up in you. Embrace being taken advantage of. Embrace it. Embrace the loss. Embrace it. Embrace it. Embrace it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be fearful of it. Embrace it. And let the resurrection of Jesus rise up in you. 